You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, time for a Wednesday edition of Locked On Syracuse. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky here with you as we are every single weekday throughout this quarantine, giving you all the latest Syracuse news. You can follow our show on Twitter for the latest breaking news to the Twittersphere. That's at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. And we actually, just before we started this podcast, Ty, some quote-unquote breaking news of sorts came in. Not the biggest of news, but I think it's interesting. It's more like chatter. There, there was some chatter yeah. coming around. Yeah, and it's on the basketball front. Khalil Brantley, a 2021 three-star point guard, has not gotten any reported offer from Syracuse, but some news came out courtesy of Recruit Zone on Twitter. And, of course, Cuse Country was feeding us the tip. on the, I mean, that guy, it, for anyone that doesn't follow Cuse Country, get on it. Cause if and there I think is Syracuse, we do a disservice on the podcast. His name is Cuse Country, but the account yeah. is at Cuse underscore content. Good so, call. So, yeah, right. Cuse so, Content is, is what we should yeah. be referring to them at. But I, I, Cuse it, Country's got a better ring to it, don't you think it so? It does. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it because at any time I see any Syracuse news happen, He's probably the first to it. So props to him. If he's listening, keep doing your thing because we love it, and he's always right on the ball. So he had this minutes after it came out, and I didn't. I think we did tweet out some highlights from this guy. So if you're curious, go to our Twitter page now, maybe as we're doing this, and you can check out this guy's tape. I, I find it interesting because we were just talking the other day about how it seems like this 2021 class is thinning out, and all of a sudden it looks like they're only after two targets and two top 50 targets. And I kind of said how it could be either you get one of those two targets and it's a two-person class, or you just add someone that we haven't heard of yet. And Brentley hasn't gotten an offer yet, but I do think he sort of fits a need, and this would be a nice add along with Benny Williams in the class. And it's interesting, too, because you look at the spectrum of his offers. You've got some really good power fives in there, Syracuse being one of them, Iowa State, Mizzou, Indiana, Pitt, uh, Creighton, Georgetown. These are all just, yeah, he's got some good interest in there. But he also has a lot of lower-level interests. I mean, you look at LaSalle, NCANT, Iona, Hofstra, Norfolk State. I mean, there there's a big variety in what he's getting looks from. And it's, it's one of those things where I wonder if he's one of those guys who would have benefited from a real full circuit in terms of the AAU scene for this offseason. And maybe that's something – that's a reason why you're seeing – this variety of offers on his, or not offers, I should say, the, the variety of interest yeah. that he's picking up um, during this period right now. Yeah, I would say Syracuse is the best name from this tweet from Recruit Zone and some of those schools you just listed out. Yeah, Syracuse I think it's, is a, the it's a toss-up between Syracuse and Indiana for me. Oh, yeah, that's true. I didn't see Indiana first. And Cray- Creighton's been sense. good lately. Um, Xavier can be up right. and down. So, yeah, but no, I would say... Syracuse and Indiana, in terms of notoriety, those are the two that I would put up there. Yeah, they're obviously ahead of Georgetown, who's also on this list. Georgetown, I don't know Did if you saw Did you see it. that? The, the Ross yeah. scene, uh, Big Dead East last. Yep. And not 10th, Tough scene. 11th, because UConn is now a part of that conference as well. Right, right. It did feel good to see UConn in a Big East 
preseason ranking. And yeah. it, it kind of stung looking at him being like, man, there's what could have been. There's a lot of old friends there. And yeah. but it but it felt good to see one of our favorite old friends, or least favorite old friends, depending on how you want to word it, in Georgetown being DFL and an eleventh out of eleven in the Big East, according to the Rothstein files, which is very, very official uh Twitter ranking. The most from official Rothstein. Yes. yes. But anyway, back to Brantley, I there's not a ton of tape out there, but I feel like he's definitely a playmaker. He's a creator off the dribble, very good one-on-one, it seems like. Kind of a shifty, flashy guard, only 6'1". Who knows if he'll grow a little, probably not super likely, because again, this is a 2021 kid. But 6'1", 185, seems like a three-star prospect, and I think if Syracuse really wanted to keep pursuing him they would definitely make a top four top five for sure because of like i said the other schools at least at this point that have contacted him now it does seem like he's been playing some of his better basketball lately according to some of the box scores and i saw he scored 44 points which maybe that's an omen 44 points in Mm. a recent game look at you with the the social sherlocking there yeah but no i think i think this kid would be a nice ad um, given that there's not a ton of depth going forward in the guard position. I saw someone tweeted us uh, today or yesterday in Locked On Time along those lines about this upcoming year on how, yeah, if Gerard gets hurt, that could really be dangerous. And I apologize, I don't have the Twitter username in front of me, but I think that's a sentiment that a lot of fans have. And Brantley wouldn't be here until 2021, but I like the idea of maybe snagging one of those guys assuming you miss out on a Kaluma or an ETN in that class. Well, can I well, allow me to play devil's advocate here? And while I do yeah. agree that there is a need for another ball handler on this roster, but who knows, maybe Kadari Richmond can be that guy for you. Who knows? Yeah. But if you wanted a guy like Khalil Brantley and, and just someone who can handle the ball, run your offense a little bit, why would you have – because it, it – at least this is the way it came off, but why would you have suggested to Howard Washington that he should transfer? Because isn't that kind of the role that you feel like he's going to be filling? Is that Howard Washington type role? You're going to only be getting a select number of minutes, if that, and I just don't see a reason why you, would, you wouldn't just want to hold on to Howard Washington, a guy who's a little more familiar. I think he's pretty good defensively in that 2-3 zone from what we've seen from him so far. And I, I would just I would feel a lot more comfortable as an Orange fan with Howard Washington in there as opposed to you're picking up a guy who not just that but he's going to be clogging up scholarship space especially when you when you want to bring in a pretty loaded 2022 class. Yeah, I think maybe and again I don't have the inside intel because you're right Howard Washington or at least there were reports that came out that Jim Beheim did sort of bring that up to him, the idea of transferring, but perhaps he did that before Bryson and Jalen were transferring and that was known. Because then it That's fair. I don't yeah. know. It, but it is it's weird. Just, it's tough for me to to try to sell a program that saw three guards transfer in an off season. And oh, yeah. you're, you're gonna I mean, bring in I a agree. guard and you not to mention the fact that you are bringing in a guard in your recruiting class with um with Kadari Richmond, granted he's a more flexible guard, can play pretty much one through three, but he's a ball handler, and you're going to need another ball handler on this roster, and it's probably going to be Kadari Richmond being that guy for you. Yeah, 
It is kind of weird that we haven't seen Howard Washington announce he was going anywhere yet, but who knows? I, we have, I think we asked Goody in the past if there's any chance of him coming back, and he said it's kind of unlikely from what he has heard. Perhaps that's changed. But I will say uh, for Brantley, he, you know, you bring up a good point there on selling the program right now. If I'm Brantley or if I'm Brantley's parents and I get on a Zoom call with Jim Beheim or any of the coaches right now, I'd say my first question is, hey, if my son is a three-star going to a program where, like Syracuse, he's probably not going to start right away, and you guys have not had a great track record of developing role players or developing the non-starters because, frankly, they're not seeing the floor at all, and I know the history of Jim Beheim's rotations a little bit, that would be my first question, right? And I think that's definitely going to make it tougher to nab some of these guys that can be that role depth player for a program like Syracuse. Definitely. And again, I don't think, I think when you look at the, well, there's a lot of interest in the power five, it kind of goes back to the whole thing that Ben Burroughs said, how sometimes you see some of these guys put out these quote unquote top fours, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have an offer from all four of these guys. I mean, for all we know, I mean, this kid just got a little bit of a, a, Hey, what's up? in the hallway a letter in the mail is, is that yeah. is, like that's that's what the extent of this really could be in essence so yeah, who knows the the level of interest but yeah I, I think Syracuse would like another ball handler but again it might be on their roster in a guy like Richmond yeah I think that's a good point we could be just seeing someone who threw Syracuse into the list and it kind of hypes up his profile but it also could be someone that Syracuse is definitely after so we'll keep monitoring that going forward. All right, we'll talk some football in just a second. Some players had some interesting comments after practice yesterday that that we will recap. So before we do that, I want to tell you about our friends at rockauto.com, which is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you go to rockauto.com today to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, you will be able to see their incredibly unique and easy to navigate catalog You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. They have great prices at rockauto.com. Very comparable and honestly even lower than some of the main auto stores right now. So there's no better time to go, especially in the COVID era right now where you don't really want to leave the house. Super easy to pull up your laptop, even go on a smartphone if you want. rockauto.com's got an incredibly easy interface to navigate and you can get the best prices and the best parts for your car right now. And once you go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck, make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Be sure to put Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, on the football side of things, a couple guys, some of the headline guys for Syracuse spoke yesterday to the media. You got Andre Sisco, who is now officially a first-team preseason AP All-American. We know he's been racking up all these accolades. But What's I would that now, say, five or six for him? He, he's, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. And it's not just like he's not a third-team guy. The, the AP, he was a first-team guy alongside uh, the kid from Georgia whose name is escaping me right now. So he's getting some real, real praise on the football front. 
Yeah, no, I I was happy to see that, and obviously well-deserved for him, the active leader in interceptions currently in the FBS. And then Tosh Harris and Tommy DeVito, all three of them spoke after practice yesterday, and a little bit more positive, I'd say, of a Zoom meeting than the conversation we detailed about Dino Babers on yesterday's podcast. Felt like a lot more football that they were talking about. Yeah. Not off the field, they were talking on the field stuff. Right. And, it, and there was a little bit of off the field where they all kind of agreed. I don't know if they all said this, but they gave the kind of the sentiment that it does feel like the season's a little bit more real right now. Now that students are back on campus and it's getting closer, they're all like, yeah, we're taking it day by day. But like this is getting pretty real. And obviously they've had that mindset for a while. I I was happy to hear Taj Harris say some stuff along the lines of there was no off season for us. We we're very disappointed last year, and we've been in this mindset that we're ready to go from the Wake Forest game, capping off at the end of last year to end their season. So what stood out to you on this Zoom meeting with these three guys? So I think off the bat, there, there's one thing that um, I believe it was Cisco said, and he talked about how the, just describing this offseason and how it's a quote-unquote emotional roller coaster. And for me, I think the youth of this team, that can pose a bit of a problem for what what this offseason has been, this quote-unquote emotional roller coaster that all these young guys are going through. You know, a lot of people might be thinking, oh, they're, they're young, so they're going to do stupid things off the field. I actually think it's the complete opposite of it. Like, when you're veteran in whether it's maybe you're an upperclassman in school or you've been on the job now for five or six years or something of that nature. You've been in in the the NFL for for four or five years. You kind of understand the flow of things and you know what you can and can't get away with. Whereas these younger guys, like, like remember when you're a freshman in school or you're starting your first day on the job, you're going to follow every guideline you're given pretty strictly because you you feel maybe a little timid and you're just trying to get the lay of the land, try to figure everything out. You're not going to test the limits on day one. And I think the youth of everything that's going to help this team off the field in terms of the decision-making. Don't hang out with people who might be exposed to the virus. Don't go to bars. Don't go to parties, all that stuff. But in terms of the emotional roller coaster, how are they going to handle this? How are they going to respond to everything that has gone on in practices and then eventually when they do go to the games and the fact that the rhythm of, of everything where you're, you're a guy, you're, you're in there as in your freshman or sophomore season and – now you've got the added layer of, okay, I got to worry about what I'm doing off the field. I've got to worry about getting this routine down, this unorthodox routine down of, okay, I come in, I get tested, I, I go to practice, I, yeah. I, I'm social distancing, I'm wearing my mask, did I forget my mask, all that stuff. And I'm wondering how that's going to weigh on a lot of these younger guys. It's a lot. I mean, I can't imagine being Dude, it's a lot for me. College. Just like... I mean, <laughs> right. I, I try to set up all these apparatuses and traps so I don't forget my mask walking out, all right? These guys are doing that times 10, and it's impossible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's so many added variables, but I do think you hit on something important there. It's going to be the most disciplined teams that rise to the top this season, and the teams that are willing to adapt, as Dino Babers has said at times throughout this whole COVID-19 situation, especially on the recruiting front. And I think they've done a good job recruiting-wise. And I'm, I'm confident that they have good coaches or above-average coaches right now. 
my concern is more that these coaches aren't going to have enough time or the amount of time that they would have liked to implement their new systems. Now, it did seem like Taj Harris was glowing talking about Sterling Gilbert and the new offensive system that they have there and how he's got us moving and it feels like a normal camp. And yeah, DeVito too how is we very really like Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing Taj Harris said that I thought was very interesting was he kind of went out of his way to say, someone asked him, what, what do you need to change from last year to be the number one wide receiver? And he said something like, I need to make sure I'm on the same page with DeVito. And then he said several other times during the Zoom meeting that that has been something they've really tried to work on in this offseason from just playing video games together and doing the little things outside of the classroom and just making sure that they're able to sort of communicate with one another. Because I do think it wasn't hard to recognize that last year they weren't on great terms. I mean, Taj did not have a good season. It was a big dip from his freshman year. And honestly, DeVito was throwing the ball basically just to Tristan Jackson at times, A, because of the offensive line. I don't think that's really an indictment on DeVito, but also it's just he didn't have any rapport that built up with Taj Harris. I mean, Taj Harris had that great season mostly with Eric Dungy. And then if you're Harris, you're hyped up as one of this one of the great freshman statistical seasons in Syracuse history, and then you don't really get the ball your next year. Right. So I do think remember, they had... So when you look at Harris's stats, too, they they look almost identical to what he had from the season before. I mean, you look at the receptions, he was down three receptions, down six total yards, down one touchdown, but you got to remember this, 94 yards of his production came on one play, and it was from Clayton Welch, too, Yeah, that's on that, right. that 94-yard touchdown, and when I think about that, I mean, the the fact that you're shaving off almost 20% of his yards in, in terms of, um, of of what he had from his freshman season to his sophomore season just because of one play, that's that's pretty crazy to me. And that's why the, the numbers, obviously you want to take a step up from freshman to sophomore year, and the numbers may not look awful because they're very similar to what a lot of us considered a successful freshman season, but... It it didn't feel that way, right? I mean, Syracuse no. last season was five and seven, but it felt like they were a, a three and nine, four and eight team, right? And that's kind of what I think the numbers of Taj Harris are, are very similar, even though they're about the same of what he did his freshman season. It felt like he took a step back. Yeah, he said, Harris said on DeVito, one of our goals was, quote, being able to have conversations when moments might get hot. And I do think that's they they got hot at times last year and it didn't look like they really worked out some of those pains of playing on the same field together. And you go back to last year, around this time last year, before the season started, Tristan Jackson obviously burst onto the scene, but it wasn't like everyone was pegging him like Harris this year as he has to be the guy. He's the number one guy. But I will say Last year around this time, DeVito kept going out of his way to be like, oh, I always hang out with Tristan. We always play video games together. We're rooming together. I don't remember if they actually were, but it seemed like they hung out a ton. And now I'm starting to see that stuff with Taj Harris, where these guys mentioned that they've been doing that off the field stuff. And that's invaluable. That's really important for a quarterback wide receiver relationship. 
Yeah, I mean, we saw it all the time with Eric Dungy, too. And, and that's the thing is we talk so much about, oh, okay, there's these All-American receivers that are coming out of Syracuse. But it really didn't have anything to do with the receiver themselves. Right, it felt like okay, you had a, a great situation at quarterback, and you had a system that really fit you, and you were just the the benefactor of it all. When we look at some of these guys, and that's not to take anything away from what Amba and what Steve Ishmael did, and even to a sense Jamal Custis did. It's not to take away anything from them. It's just they were put in a good situation. That situation isn't as good as it used to be right now because there's a lot of tape out there on your system now. And on top of that, you've got a quarterback change as well when you're moving from Eric Dungy to Tommy DeVito. So life doesn't feel as good in that regard, but that doesn't mean that there can't be success. You just got to be more confident. And again, it starts with the offensive line. We hit on this yesterday. You're not feeling really good about the, the offensive line situation heading into this year. And that's why really things can take a huge step back looking forward. Yeah, DeVito did say some positive things on the offensive line. He said they're really meshing together, and they've done well to learn a couple of new schemes, but he didn't shed any light on who the injured players are, of course, which it seems like there's multiple based on reading how Dino worded it yesterday. All right, we'll get into more of the comments that were made on the football side of things in a second, but before we do that, Got to talk about our favorite protein bar on the planet. Built Bar is back and better than ever, Ty. They have upgraded with some more flavors. They got caramel brownie, cookies, and cream. I will say, we're waiting on our box to come in, and I'm very eagerly awaiting Dude, it. Dude, I sit at the door. I sit <laughs> at the door, and I'm like a dog waiting for the UPS guy Yeah, to come. I can see you doing that, too. I will say, I noticed on the website the other day, in some of their original flavors, they've got one that's just orange, which I don't think that came mm. in our original box, but like it, it has to, right? It's the Locked On Syracuse podcast, and they've got an orange. Just Bilt load us bar. up. Hey, Bilt Bar, lo- load us up with just a, a whole box yeah. of orange. How about we that? will have to buy our own orange, and I think we need to do like a full review of it on the podcast because it's, it's the Locked On Syracuse bar. It's just called orange, so I'm sure it's delicious, and if you're looking to buy your own box of Built Bar. Go to their website right now, BuiltBar.com. Be sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off any next order at BuiltBar.com. Joke of the entire Zoom goes to Taj Harris. I don't know if you saw this, but he was asked, yeah, he was asked to fill in the blank. Taj Harris will have a great season if... And he said, quote, if there is a season, which got the entire sort of Zoom chat to start laughing at him. So props to him on that one. I thought that was pretty funny. I do think those guys definitely have the mindset that the season's happening. And I'm sort of getting there, too, where it's I mean, I know some people will get on us that listen to the pod and we're thinking, obviously, there's a line of thinking out there that we were rooting against the the season to happen, which is ludicrous and not just us, but a lot of people were believing that uh, amongst, at least they were believing that journalists covering it were doing that. I hope that no one actually thought that was really the case, but you know, we were just gauging the temperature. And I think right now, I, I think Cisco even mentioned this, that it, unless there's a big outbreak on the campuses, which there kind of was at UNC, which is, I do want to talk game, about UNC but, real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And, we should talk about that. I mean, well, Really, it kind of relates into to everything here, but 
So Andre Sisko says about traveling to UNC in a couple weeks, because in case you missed it, UNC's positivity rate is over 30% right now on the student campus. That's a, a major red flag. 465 and, and I'm surprised they're, they're, I mean, well, no, they, they did go online. So, okay, I guess I'm not surprised in that um, that regard. But yeah. So Cisco says, it's definitely one of our concerns, that being traveling to UNC, and it remains one of our concerns. He said that what would give him comfort is testing frequency, pointing to schools hopefully testing two to three times per week in the ACC. Another thing that got brought up is the the from Tommy DeVito in regards to the um, the UNC game is that he he wants to make sure that um, he knows who's going to be on the field too by the time that's going to happen and I think these opt outs are are something that we need to know soon because I feel like. At this point, you've gotten all the information that you're going to get about this. And, and quite frankly, you've got, I think, all the information that you need at this point to make a decision over whether or not you're going to play, right? Yeah. It, 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 I feel like it has started to get to that point where you need to make a decision soon. And that way, this team can be ready. Otherwise, there's no point in playing the season if if guys are, are bailing on you the, the week before a game. It's like Ryan Alexander all over again. Yeah. That was a tough seed for sure. Yeah, UNC, that's going to be a tough first game. Number 18 in the AP poll, which I guess in reality they're like number four or five, really, because they ranked that AP poll was was kind of weird to see. You had all the Big Ten of the Pac-12 teams in there, despite the fact that they aren't. We know for sure they are not playing football this year. They've already canceled the season, so... Anything else on the player side of things? I know you had a couple things to talk about on the John Wildhack press conference front, right? Yeah, so I just think um, with Wildhack, and I actually I wanted to get your thoughts on just the whole extension thing. Cause, so he yeah. gets that five-year extension, and I, I saw this brought up by ESPN Syracuse's Seth Goldberg on Twitter, and he was saying, how come... We know all the details of Wild Hack, and again, you don't. I don't really care how much Wild Hack's getting paid, but why do we know the the length of Wild Hack's contract, but we don't know the length of Dino Babers' contract? It's a good point. I just yeah. I just find that, and I agreed with Seth. Like, there's there's so much stuff that goes beyond it too. In in the fact that when you look at Dino's, there's probably some outs in there, and, and some some not dirty laundry, but some details that Syracuse fans don't want to know probably about how he could maybe bail or it would take this, that, and the other for him to leave. And the secrecy of it all has always been an enigma to me, but we're seeing this program start to become more and more transparent. We saw John Wildhack talk about the reasoning for why they released the numbers behind their COVID tests and why they came out and said there were, what was it, five athletes that that tested positive upon return. And it's because we want to be consistent with what the university is doing. And I just feel like at this point, we, we should know. We should know, and, and there should be more transparency. Stop hiding behind the the privacy of your, your private schooling system, right? Yeah, that, that especially... It's, it's frustrating at this point, and, and quite frankly, you're, you're deceiving the fans at that point. Especially because it's honestly something they can gloat about a little bit. And I... And I know you're talking about the testing there, which they ended up kind of gloating about it. And Dino still was bringing it up 
just without saying what the actual results were. But the whole announcement of a coach getting a contract extension, I know they did publicize that and they made a pretty big deal about it, but that is a great PR look for the program. That's something that you don't get to do every day. You don't get to know that you have the right coach and honestly would probably give the entire fan base, give national college football notice that like, oh, Syracuse is in a better spot than maybe you might have thought. If you're just a casual college football fan, you see Dino Babers extended until 2025 or you actually put a year next to it. I, I think that's a good point. I haven't really thought about it, but like you said on Wild Hack, I don't really care too much how much Dino is making. I'm sure it's the going rate. Well, that's the, the thing what... about that is that eventually comes out. Every year, yeah. the, the USA Today does their college football coaching salaries. But if anything, disclose that. I mean, I'd rather yeah. you can pump up the year because that's it's probably I mean, I, I a don't pretty care deep how extension. much Dino Babers is making. I mean, no. pay, him, pay no. him all you want. It, it doesn't matter to me. It, it's not my money. Yeah, I, just I guess, I guess once upon a time it was my too. money, but um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but no, I, I I don't understand the the privacy behind it, and, and quite frankly, I mean, don't you want to show that your coach is a big deal? Like, yeah, that, that, I agree. That you should want to tout this stuff, and the fact that they're not is is has always been strange to me. Always has been. Yeah. No, that's a good point that Seth Goldberg brought up. So. All right, well, that'll do it for today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow because it is a weekday. We're here with you all five weekdays on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Wherever you know what you I want to talk podcast. about tomorrow, Tim? I want to talk, yeah, talk about this blanket waiver because we had Again? a good conversation okay. about it earlier in the week, but we've got, we've got to disclose and dive into the future and everything that it means because this affects more than just 2020 and 2021. This is going because those scholarships go back down to 85 and I've got some thoughts about it for what it means for the future. So let's do that tomorrow. Yeah, no, I like that. And if you enjoyed this discussion on football, I I believe we should kind of dive into some position previews. I'd say maybe next week because it's getting to that point where as I cross my fingers over here that you can't see. It's, it's getting to that point where the season is right around the corner and it's time we start, you know, really addressing yeah. what are the, the burning questions and what how the position groups stack up and who we like and who we maybe have some question marks about going into the season. So we will be talking plenty more. And you football. know what tomorrow is? You know what tomorrow is? What's that? Tomorrow is training camp Thursday. Oh, right. Gosh, man. Training camp Thursday was... It was a great idea by you, and it just it, it, it took off right during the whole hoopla that came out that one week when Big Ten canceled and everything. So we will get back to Training Camp Thursday tomorrow on this podcast. But thanks for listening. As always, feel free to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow on the podcast. Oh.